Ready? We're on. And you know, I usually am not surprised that we're on, but for the most part, Harry's my producer, so he's pretty good in directing me and letting me know what is and is not happening. Harry, I can't hear myself. Yeah, music. Spanish station. Now, I still can't hear myself. I got to take them off. All right. So you can take yours off as well. But we are still live, right? So, okay. As I said, Harry usually is pretty good about walking me through everything. So for the most part, I get it right. But there are days when I do things like I just did. (laughs) You're listening to WNHH, NewHavenIndependent.org, 103.5 FM. Good afternoon to you. This is the show, and my name is Michelle Turner. And today we are talking to two members of the Amistad Committee here in New Haven. And on September the 16th, I believe it is, from 10 a.m. to noon, which is a Saturday, and this is a free event, they are channeling Frederick Douglass. And the theme of their talk is, what would Frederick say? And it is New Haven's response to Charlottesville, VA, what happened in Charlottesville. It's going to take place at Chris Colo Park, Chapel and James Streets in the city of New Haven. And it is sponsored by the descendants of the 29th Regiment, the Colored Voluntary Infantry of Connecticut, the Mayor's Office, and the Connecticut Freedom Trail. So my guests today are Michael A. Carter. He is the CAO, or Chief Administrative Officer, for the City of New Haven. And in his spare time, he is a part of the Amistad Committee. And of course, the wonderful Kai Perry, who should be here shortly. You're going to see her walk in. So first of all, Mr. Carter, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for Appreciate your me. time. So we know that you're part of the Amistad Committee, but what is your connection? How did you get to sit on the committee? I know you told me a few moments ago that you met Al Martyr, the great Al Martyr, mm-hmm. by phone back in 1990. Mm-hmm. So can you start from there? Well, fortunately, I had the opportunity to work with uh, the sculptor Ed Hamilton, uh, who conceptualized the statue of Singbeg P. Mm-hmm. Um, Which and, sits between City Hall and mm-hmm. the Green, yeah. so to speak. At that time, I was straight out of business school, um, doing some entrepreneurial projects. And Ed Hamilton asked me could I assist him with some projects he was working on, not only Singbeg P, but eventually the African-American Civil War Memorial that sits in Washington, D.C. Now, you're a native of? Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, left there when I was 18, went to uh, college in New Hampshire, Dartmouth College. Okay. Went to corporate America for several years and went to work in the nonprofit and government sectors. And recently, uh, I was in Washington, D.C. And uh-huh. Had opportunity to come here and work in the city of New Haven, and it's been a great opportunity. So, what connected you? What made you say, 
I want to join in with what the Amistad is doing. What convinced you when you talked to Al Martyr? Uh, when I came uh, to New Haven in in 92, 93, uh, I was impressed by Al Martyr and the rest of the Amistad Committee in terms of what they were doing, the messages they were getting out to our youth about the story of Singh Big P and the Amistad captives and how relevant it is to us today. Mm-hmm. Um, when I arrived in New Haven in 2014, over the years I stayed in touch with Al Martyr, and it wasn't where I was asked to to, to join, or I requested to join, I was <laughs> told you're on the committee. So uh, can't, you can't say no to Al Marta. Yeah, you can't get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And having worked with Ed Hamilton on several other projects, and also Ed had worked on a, a, a model for Frederick Douglass in mm. Baltimore, but he lost the competition. But they wanted to use his model, and we said no. Right, So, which is only fair. Well, <laughs> <laughs> have an attachment to Frederick Douglass in the sense that he showed uh, up in New Haven in 1863, garnered over a thousand colored uh, soldiers to volunteer in the 29th Regiment in Connecticut. So let me let me just stop you there. He came to New Haven and recruited in Chris Colo Park. I have never at heard that of time, this. It was known as Grapevine Park. And African Americans lived in that area. Yes. It's amazing. And and I call myself somebody who sort of knows the African-American history of this city. Mm-hmm. I have never heard this story. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. If you go out to the uh, monument, you'll see the names of the soldiers, not only from New Haven and Brantford, but also all the other cities in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Well over 200 names. And so Frederick Douglass, come on in, Kai Perry. Hello. Frederick Douglass came to New Haven. Was mm. he on a recruiting drive, so to speak, for the Union Army? Or Well, in, in January of 1863, he convinced um, Abraham Lincoln to issue the Emancipation Proclamation. And also he convinced uh, Abraham Lincoln that he should use uh, the slaves and former slaves or runaway slaves who wanted to fight for the Union at that time, uh, Lincoln sort of believed that only the white officers could fight, but eventually there was a need for uh, manpower, and the 200,000 soldiers and sellers proved to be a valuable addition to the Union forces and in a direct way mm-hmm. helped them win uh, the fight against the Confederates. So, in his coming to Criscola Park, were people excited? Did you have all sorts of people coming to see him? Because he was a known abolitionist and mm-hmm. speaker during that time. So, I can only imagine that he would not only draw the colored population, but non-coloreds as well. From my reading of the event... Uh Freddie Douglas is a, a, an imposing figure. He was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, mm. uh, very erect, uh, great uh, oratorical skills, uh, very intelligent. And he was an imposing figure like Paul Robeson. Mm. And many people came out and he uh, gathered uh, people there, sent the troops off to fight down in Virginia to 
a place called, um, I think it was uh, Humorous, mm-hmm. Virginia, which was the second oldest town in Virginia after Jamestown. So Frederick Douglass, the former slave, he taught himself how to read and write, ran away to capture his freedom, wrote a book about his uh, indentured servitude, and uh, he was um, what the abolitionists were looking for from the African-American experience to vocalize what they could not vocalize. And if my memory serves me correct, he eventually ended up working in New Bedford, Massachusetts? On yes, boats? in Massachusetts. He moved to Massachusetts. He originally uh, was, uh, lived in New York with yep. his first wife, who passed away but he came from maryland to new york, new york to new bedford, bedford and he was there for a while before he actually started yes the abolitionist piece mm-hmm. i believe he ran into oh what's his name william the famous abolitionist out of boston mm-hmm. i can't think of his name Lanson? no Wait. not the other one i have to think about it i'll think about it and get back to it but kai Perry, Hi. member of the Amistad Committee. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle, for having us. Appreciate you being here. And I had said to Mr. Carter that you all presented Paul Robeson. And yes. now you're bringing Frederick Douglass. So why? Why bring in Frederick well, or Mr. Douglass? Well, this is a significant um, time. It's marking the 200th anniversary from... Frederick Douglass death and um, we just thought that the New Haven community needs to be more aware of the role that Frederick Douglass played um, not only you know in the Civil War and as an abolitionist but that he has direct ties to New Haven as Mike was just explaining so um, that's that was our hope um, and we thought this was a perfect time being 200 years later but why a response to Charlottesville so, I mean, originally we had this event um, scheduled and um, and then we said, uh, wait a minute, you know, when the Charlottesville tragedy occurred, we thought about, wow, what better timing um, for New Haven to respond mm-hmm. to Charlottesville um, than by thinking about what would Frederick do? You know, um, how would Frederick Douglass have responded to this Charlottesville tragedy. And so we're welcoming the community, young folks, fraternities, sororities, um, community leaders, and all of those who um, regular community folk who have opinions and ideas about what, how we should collectively respond um, uh, as, as residents of New Haven to Charlottesville. So in doing this, what do you hope the public's reaction is to it? What do you want people to take away from it? And that's a question I usually ask toward the end, but I'm asking it now because I think using someone like Frederick Douglass, pulling a figure out of history is very significant. So what is it that you want the public to take away from this? I would say that we have to stand collectively, but Frederick Douglass was one individual that stood and other individuals join him, and we have to say no to hatred, no to bigotry, no to indifference and disparate treatment. And he teaches us lessons that uh, were more than just 
one individual that we have to stand together and just be uh, vigilant, also tolerant, but we're just not going to take the abuse and the disrespect that is coming out of Washington, D.C. and other places. So you think his message is timely? You think what he said almost 170-something years ago is now relevant to what's going on in the United States? I'd say so, yes. You agree? I'd say so, sadly, yes. <laughs> it's, it's all too timely. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me anything about the actor who is bringing Frederick Douglass back to life? Nathan Richardson? Yes, sir. Uh, he's an accomplished actor, and he um, has uh, studied Frederick Douglass, and he, uh, you will be, the, the crowd that comes to uh, the event will be impressed with his history and knowledge of Frederick Douglass. And in addition to uh, Nathan Richardson, we will have the Heritage Choir, and mm-hmm. Reverend uh, Frederick's Streets is the main speaker, along with uh, the mayor of New Haven, uh, Tony Harp. And are we going to see any react reenactments from the 29th Regiment? They will be there. Um, whether or not they will do anything other than just standing in formation, uh, I do not know at this time. But <laughs> we would hope that in future events uh, we would have uh, something performed by the 29th. And they will be providing some remarks. I was going to say, are any representation coming from them? Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Because I guess my question, too, is that I know that there are descendants and I know that there are people who are very much supportive of that history. But where were they from? Were they not just from New Haven? They're from all over the state or New Haven County. I counted the, the the number of towns. It's well over thirty towns. Okay. New Haven, New Haven, uh, West Haven, Branford, Waterbury, uh, Stanford, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. And it, you would never think, or or when you think about history particularly in Connecticut during those eras, 1700s, 1800s, you really don't think about, most don't, African-Americans really being here, living here, participating in government at those times. But this regiment proves that not only were people here, but they were active and Mm -hmm. they believed in America. They believed in the, the freedoms that it may present. So it's always interesting when you hear about regiments of colored infantry, because so many times we're led to believe that there are only five people living in Fairhaven, seven people living in Branford of color. So you never get this idea that there's enough people, even in the county, to make up something like a regiment. Mm -hmm. So There are at least a thousand colored volunteers, soldiers from the state of Connecticut. Wow. And Frederick Douglass was very instrumental in inspiring those folks to fight for their freedom, fight for hope and justice and fairness. So we're very glad to be celebrating uh, the anniversary of his birth. Um, And he is just as relevant today as Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and 
uh, Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King. So we're, we're glad to be able to present Frederick Douglass to this new generation. So with him being who he was, and, and you mentioned briefly that he was very tied to Lincoln. He was one of his closest advisors. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen different things where they say that, in fact, they had an odd friendship because so many times Lincoln really, he wasn't sure as to where to go, as we all know, if you're a Civil War person or a history person, as far as what could have been done or should should have been done with former slaves and what those people could and could not do and whether they deserve the recognition that he was willing to give. And you've stated that Douglas was a heavy influence on Lincoln. So did that start in around the civil war era or did it start more or less just before Lincoln really had it in his mind that perhaps slaves should be freed in this? I don't have an answer for that. I do know that the individual mentioned William Lloyd Garrison up in Thank Massachusetts, you. Frederick Douglass. Yes. Uh, very active up, uh, in Massachusetts, um, in the abolitionist movement, also he traveled to to England, and I think Lincoln was wise in having someone like Frederick Douglass around him. He was torn, and he was president, and he had to hold a nation together. But Frederick Douglass was that gadfly that people like Lincoln need. They need those folks mm-hmm. that are not going to lay down, that's not going to go along, that's going to offer a counterpoint of view that blend in, makes a more holistic uh, view and approach to solving uh, our problems. Unlike today where we have someone that believes in one view and it's a distorted view mm-hmm. it doesn't serve anyone fake well. News. Fake news and fake information. Yeah, I just recently read something where the writer said, well, if you have fake news and you have fake information, then people make decisions based on the information that they get. So with those decisions may come not so positive decisions. And a lot of people feel that that's where we are now based on the information that we have received over the past two to three years. But William Lloyd Garrison was the person who encouraged Douglas mm-hmm. to come out and speak. Douglas was not my understanding from what I've read about him. He, he was encouraged to write his book mm-hmm. about his life and his escape. And then that's all he really wanted to do was talk to a select few people because he thought that that would be effective but William Lloyd Garrison felt the other way that perhaps he should talk to larger groups, mm-hmm. you know, really go on the abolitionist trail, so to speak, in going around the country and really letting people know a firsthand account of slavery. Mm-hmm. But when Douglas decided that he did not want to do this anymore, he and Lloyd Garrison fell out. Mm-hmm. And then Douglas went on to, I believe, live in upstate New York write the North Star, which was his newspaper for many, many years. Um, he did go back and forth to Maryland because he had family there. One of his sons, I just read something, 
His son was one of the people to first buy property in Maryland, Highland Beach. He created Highland Beach because they were not allowed to vacation on the neighboring beach because they were black. So he bought Highland Beach for maybe $3,000, which would be the equivalent to almost a million dollars right now. And um, Highland Beach was a very popular resort from the time that he bought it until the 50s, 60s, and early 70s. And now, of course, it's uh, been developed and it's uh, a gated community. And it doesn't even have its African-American roots. Uh, Frederick Douglass has a home in Washington, D.C. It's maintained by the National Park. So it's a very beautiful place. You can look at all of Washington from his home. From his home. Anacostia, I believe, right? Yeah, Anacostia. It's a very beautiful, very beautiful neighborhood at that time. Um, very uh, Afrocentric, if you will, mm-hmm. if my memory holds me correct. Um, and on top of that, that I believe is where he passed mm-hmm. in that home. Yes. In Acacia. And he lived a long time. Mm-hmm. 1895. Yeah. He lived a long time, especially for an African-American male. Mm-hmm. In that era. So, in doing this, is Mr. Richardson speaking to the soldiers of the 29th? Is this a full reenactment of his speech that he did when he was here? Or is this something that he's created? I believe it's something he has done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have asked him to tailor it specifically to um, the the Charlottesville incident. So okay. he's adding, I'm not exactly sure what, but he's adding <laughs> some piece in there yeah. um, to that. So, but it is a reenactment of sorts. But the message he will deliver will be uh, insightful and valuable. Uh, the words of Frederick Douglass speak to us a hundred years after he spoke them, and what he stood for as, uh, as an individual, as an African American, as an abolitionist, and uh, speaks well to us today. And we should uh, know more about Frederick Douglass and what he stood for. I mean, Charlottesville, uh, our our response to Charlottesville, our response to Boston was um, immeasurable, but uh, Frederick Douglass basically he started out as an individual one and had to deliver the message uh, from place to place. And uh, it's individuals like that that we should look at as historical role models and we should try to uh, uh, model uh, today. So this is a family event. Yes. Absolutely. Everybody can come out. Yes, yes, that's what we're hoping. We'll have some youth speakers mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they're from the different schools or well, young people that have worked I, in conjunction with Amistad or Well, just today I saw I'm not um sure if it's settled yet, but our president Al just sent out an email earlier today mm-hmm. asking if we should invite a speaker, a youth speaker to uh, address DACA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and so I responded yes. <laughs> So we're going to have a full program. We keep it adding. seems like it. <laughs> seems like you got a full program yes. going. So Fred Douglas stood up not only for African-Americans, he stood up for women and immigrants. And 
uh, Native Americans. Native, it's important that his message uh, resonate today. Mm-hmm. Indigenous people, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this date, and you also have a rain date. Not a rain date, a rain location, it should say. There. Okay. All so right. if it's raining that morning, we'll go inside John Martinez School, which is right there on the grounds. Yeah, we hope yeah. it's rain, not hurricane. Yes, we do <laughs> hope for that. Yes. We do hope for that. Mm-hmm. What is it about Frederick Douglass? You could have chosen a lot of other people, right? So what is it about Frederick Douglass that you think? And I know I asked this question before that, you know, you want people to take away certain things from it. But Mm -hmm. what is it about Frederick Douglass that says, okay, he is the person, besides this being the 200th anniversary of his death? Hmm. I think it's a tough question, but I think it's also an opportunity to connect with the 29th Infantry Mm -hmm. um, and something we've been wanting to do as a committee for a while. So this is a great opportunity for us to work together. Okay. And really get a different message out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's our job as a committee to educate um, others in the community. And New Haven has a proud history of uh, people who who have, stood up for justice and fairness. And um, we just think that the generation today should know that and the older generations should appreciate uh, what they have uh, benefited from the actions of people like Frederick Douglass. And the fact that he is someone who was a true civil rights leader, because I think a lot of times we just know him as the publisher of the North Star. And we don't think about anything else that he has possibly done. You know that he was probably an abolitionist, yes. You know that he wrote the newspaper. You know, he lived in D.C. You never hear anything else, really, unless Mm -hmm. you start to look at abolitionist history. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to learn about Douglas. But I believe that he is someone who has a message and a strong message. And as you said earlier, he wasn't someone who got along to get along. You know, he didn't go along to get along, I should say. He was really somebody who spoke truth to power back then. And in a way, he was one of maybe the first community organizers long before Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Was he an ambassador, Frederick Douglass? Was he an ambassador? I don't know. I want to say he was an ambassador to Haiti. We have an ambassador to Haiti from New Haven and it was in a couple hmm. uh, oh, yeah. falls ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, Freddie I Douglas he was, was the a first very one. accomplished individual. Yeah. He had many roles and many titles. And he did, he did quite a bit. And I think that's why, another reason why I would say that it's important that his name be put back out there. Although our president, number 45, did say we were going to be hearing a lot more about Frederick Douglass. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, right. And, you know, he was yeah. he was doing big things. He was bigly. Yeah, as a, as a friend of mine in Washington, D.C. told me, he said, truly the White House is now, quote, unquote, the White House. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's I think it's important that a lot of people know 
the contributions that African-Americans made to make this country what it is. And the fact that, you know, you have someone as accomplished as Frederick Douglass, who actually came to New Haven and actually put forth effort to get people from this area recruited to fight in the Civil War says a lot. Says a lot about New Haven, says a lot about him. And it really shows that he is someone who is just as important to American history as anybody else that we study. It's very, he's relevant. He's someone who believed in freedom. I mean, who else could believe in freedom more than someone that was formerly a slave? Absolutely. Means a lot. And in doing this, can you give me a peep maybe about what your next event will be? Yes, yeah, so our next event, um, we're just beginning to get the promotions out for, it's going to be on November 9th, mm-hmm. and we're asking the community, so who really was Christopher Columbus? Ah. And we're hoping to get a really um, large response from the community, especially given what's going on currently um, on the other side of the country, on the West Coast, mm-hmm. with um, changing Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. And, and yeah. hoping to get the East Coast to start at least thinking. Thinking about, about it. About mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But see, now, then you, you begin to disrupt the myth. And it's very, you can topple a myth, but in doing so, you have a lot of dominoes fall. But does anyone really believe that anymore? Well, I think you have, <laughs> you still have a large Italian-American community that believes it. Mm. And it's very much a part of their uh, American pride, if you will, that, Mm. you know, this Italian discovered the United States. Mm. So when you start to talk about supposedly discovered, well, if you yes, if you if you really look back, you can go to the Vikings, you can go to America's Vespucci. There's, you know different people are the indigenous people who were here who got discovered discovered who were really here before everybody America else is named after the map maker not yes christopher columbus yes um but uh we're here just to deliver the message to let folks know what's going on in other parts of the country and you know we had to we're not here to rock the boat we're here to sink it if it's, <laughs> if it's wrong mm-hmm. and if it's a false and if it's a lie mm-hmm. uh, today we're just I tell the young people, uh, know your history, uh, and just be prepared to fight the good fight, like Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Al Martyr. And if you're standing together with like-minded individuals, uh, you can accomplish some things. Indeed. And I would add just to, to tell young people to be critical thinkers. And mm-hmm. so, I mean... You never know if your teacher's going to teach you the right thing. I mean, you can go to a historically black college and be, you know, taught mm. some inaccurate information. So we want to encourage young people to question everything. Question what's being taught to you in school. You know, do your own research. Develop your own mind. Become curious. Um, so I would just add that. Well, I would think with the day and age that we live in, it's kind of hard to divide or disseminate information because you have so much that's out there Mm 
mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm-hmm. The internet is not screened, mm-hmm. you know, so it's always best to have three to four to five sources when you're looking at a subject. Exactly. Because so many times, unfortunately, you look at stuff, look at what happened with the election last year. Mm-hmm. All those stories that supposedly had the ABC News brand or the CNN brand. And because people didn't look closely enough at it, they just read it because it mm-hmm. said those brands that people believed it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of us could look at it and say, nah, that's not it's not a real ABC stamp on this story. And this is not what their branding looks like. But unfortunately, or fortunately, people don't necessarily, or they do, I should say, believe what they see. It's just like newspapers, almost. You know, when when newspapers had two and three versions a day, people would read the paper and assume that what was in it was true. And now we have the same thing with the Internet. Anything that they read on the Internet, they assume that it's true. So you have a country of folks who have this mini computer in their hand and still don't utilize it mm-hmm. probably the best way that they could. So when you're, when you're starting to talk about Cristobal Columbus mm-hmm. or America's Vespucci or any of those people, or even looking at the history of the indigenous people across the United States and what that did to this country, then you need to think about how many sources that you can pick up you know, the library is still useful. <laughs> you yes, know, there is. are still really things is. there that you could probably use to help you develop your critical thinking, not only as a young person, but as an adult, mm-hmm. because we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. It is assumed that we do, but we don't. Mm-hmm. So it's just another way to say, look, people, go to events like this, really take the time to know a little bit about the subject matter that you're going to approach and then develop your own ideas, your own thoughts, mm-hmm. learn more or try to learn more about the particular issue at hand. So this is a free event. It's going to take place Saturday, September 16th, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. If it rains, it moves to John Martinez school and that's hundred James street in the city. If it's a gorgeous day, it'll be at Chapel and James Streets at Criscola Park in New Haven. We have a performance by Nathan Richardson. He is a reenactor, poet, and author. The name of the event is What Would Frederick Douglass Say? New Haven's Response to Charlottesville, Virginia. And this is put on by the Amistad Committee. And... They're looking for you to come out and hear what Frederick Douglass has to say in response to Charlottesville. This is sponsored by the descendants of the Connecticut 29th Regiment Colored Voluntary Infantry, the Office of the Mayor of the City of New Haven, and the Connecticut Freedom Trail. Is there anything you would like to add, committee members? Just like everyone to come out and bring a friend should be a very educational event and a fun event as well. And we will have a reception following the speaker. And that's going to take place at the park or will it take place at the school? school. Inside the school. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Kai Perry, thank you so much for being here. 
Appreciate you doing this. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Michael A. Carter. Mike. Mike. <laughs> I always have to not make assumptions the first time around, but it is my pleasure. And thank you so much for being here this afternoon and sharing your knowledge. And we hope, New Haven, that you do come out this Saturday. Next bring your Saturday. raincoat. Mm-hmm. Next Saturday, bring your raincoat. Got to worry about rain? Bring your raincoat. And they're going to take you inside and you'll get to go to the reception after. All right. This has been the show on 103.5 FM WNHH New Haven Independent dot org. Thank you, audience, for being here today, because you never know who's going to be on the show. <laughs>